0: In what can only be described as a psychotic and unhinged rant, resistance Democrat Keith Olbermann called for Trump supporters and conservatives to be removed from society, saying Trump should be expunged and that Amy Coney Barrett should be prosecuted and also removed from society. Amy Coney Barrett hasn't done anything. She's just a judge. She was nominated by Republicans, regular people. The craziest thing about this unhinged rant is not that he's saying we should prosecute people because Donald Trump has said something very similar, though that is alarming. (laughs) What's what's crazy here is the escalation. He's now referring to over 60 million people in this country as maggots who need to be removed from society. Now, perhaps this is just the paranoid ramblings of a madman. Keith Olbermann is just some guy on YouTube now like me, kind of but he used to be a host for MSNBC. He hosted a show for GQ magazine. He is a prominent personality. Perhaps losing his show has driven him mad. And now his only opportunity for getting attention is to make absolutely psychotic statements about removing Americans from society. But what he's saying, I feel like does resonate with a lot of people. And that's why the video nearly has 100,000 views. I mean, his channel is new. It's only his third or second. I believe it was a second video. The rhetoric in this country is getting dangerous and people are actually starting to plan for a legit civil war or at least a shortage of supplies, which has already happened due to covid, because we're now hearing that covid is going to start coming back. Dr. Burks is warning us. But as Donald Trump demands prosecution of the Obama administration officials who staged the Russia hoax, many people are starting to feel like things are breaking down. And now in a not so, uh, I guess, absurd turn of events, survivalist camps are starting to pop up and open so that people can flee cities into fortified survivalist camps for the election. You call me crazy. You call me a madman for talking about civil war, but please, please convince me I'm wrong. Spike Lee just came out and said something. I'm out in, the middle of no, out in the middle of nowhere in a new studio, partly because I don't want to be anywhere near cities, but to be completely honest, I'm still pretty close to the cities. A lot of people try to exaggerate the reason for my move, but it is mostly because I believe that suburbs and cities will not be safe. Not that I think they're all going to be razed to the ground. I don't know what to expect, but I can tell you this. When resistance Democrats are calling for people to be removed from society, I'm kind of getting worried about the rhetoric. And I'll tell you, I lived in New Jersey. My understanding, as I was told, it is a state where you have a duty to retreat, meaning if somebody comes to my house, I have to flee. Well, I'm not in a state that requires that anymore. I can stand my ground. I don't want to feel like I can be threatened by the far left extremists like we've seen in St. Louis and Wisconsin and now in Portland. I don't want to feel threatened in my own home. I want to feel like I'm far away from the crazy. And many other people are calling are are, are feeling the same way. That's why these camps are starting to open up. But you may have seen my segment the other day. Don't take my word for it. Wealthy people are buying up private islands in droves. That to me says something. The connected, wealthy elites are trying to flee to self-sustainable private islands. Maybe this is nothing. Maybe we're all just going crazy. But I'm not the one sitting here calling for people to be expunged from society like Keith Olbermann is. I'm not the one claiming that Donald Trump is an asset of the of the Russians for the past several years. I'm not the one that's going out. And encouraging people to engage in these Black Lives Matter, Antifa extremist actions. And it's not us, the regular Americans, who are encouraging these weird groups of anarchists to try and kidnap the governor. These people are out there. They're emboldened. And they're emboldened by the likes of Keith Olbermann and the resistance left. This is what is scary to me. I think regular people are leaving cities because we don't want to be involved in your stupid, insane culture war. But here we are trapped, and so many people are taking defensive positions. This is what truly scares me. But to break this all down, let's let's get into the news and talk about what's going on. The first story about Keith Olbermann and the insane things he's saying, and YouTube allowed it. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are many ways you can give. There is a P.O. box, but the best thing you can do is share this video. I don't have the big marketing departments like CNN or Fox or MSNBC. I rely on word of mouth. And if you think what I'm saying is important and people need to know about it, especially with the election like 25 days away, then please consider sharing this so that people can hear what's going on. And if you think I'm crazy, well, then tell me so in the comments, because I would love to be wrong about all of this. But I mean, these stories that are popping up are in The New York Times. They're in Fox News. They're on MSNBC. And it seems like things are starting to break down and get absolutely insane. Don't forget to like subscribe hit the notification bell. Let's read the story. Fox News reports Keith Olbermann, Amy Coney Barrett, others should be prosecuted and removed from our society. Liberal pundit says Trump should be destroyed and devoured at the ballot box. Now, I want to clarify. I used in the thumbnail Democrat. I would have preferred to have said resistance Democrat because I don't think it's fair to call the dude a liberal when he's calling for an authoritarian roundup of maggots. But he is democratically aligned. He is a resistance Democrat. That's the best way I can put it. He's certainly not a liberal. They say in a 14 minute tirade, the ex-MSNBC anchor argued the FBI should identify Trump as an unindicted co-conspirator of the plot by members and associates of an anti-government militia to abduct Governor Gretchen Whitmer. He went on to accuse Trump of planning to reject the results of the upcoming election and added the president should be destroyed and devoured at the ballot box. Now, I think it's important to point out the individuals who were plotting this were mostly anti-government anarchists. One of them called Trump a tyrant. One of them attended a Black Lives Matter protest. Certainly, I mean, some of them may have been Trump supporters. I don't know. I haven't seen that. Some have suggested it. But these were just anarchists. He and his enablers, and his supporters and his collaborators and the Mike Lees and the William Bars and the Mike Pence's and the Rudy Giuliani's and the Kyle Rittenhouse's and the Amy Coney Barrett's must be prosecuted and convicted and removed from our society while we try to rebuild it and to rebuild the world Trump has re- has destroyed by turning it over to a virus, Olberman said. Rebuild it. Rebuild what? Well, he sounds an awful lot like Antifa. Revolution, nothing less. Why would Amy Coney Barrett be prosecuted? What did she do? She's a federal judge. She got nominated. She barely said anything so far. This is psychotic tribalism. And this is one of the first indicators of a civil war. Now, a lot of people like to say I'm crazy for talking about it. Don't take my word for it. We're I'm I'm going to we'll we'll talk about Spike Lee. How about that? How do you pronounce this guy's name? Robert Reich Reich, whatever. Amid talk of civil war, America is already split. Trump nation has seceded. And this is from only a couple of weeks ago. This is not me making these things up. Y'all can laugh and say whatever you want. But let me tell you something. When we get to a point where you have a group of people that believes the other side is irredeemable and there is no compromise and there is no con- uh, conversation, just lock them up. That is one of the first indicators that we are heading towards a civil war. When the tribe says the other is evil And there is no redemption. The only solution is violence. That's what they are saying. That's what we must resist. But prosecuting Amy Coney Barrett, who's been involved in literally nothing, that shows you it's not about politics. It's about I demand power. My side must win and nothing else. I don't agree with Amy Coney Barrett uh, on religion, religious issues or abortion issues, but she didn't do anything what would you prosecute her for? Top Republican officials have vowed to confirm Barrett, a federal judge and professor at Notre Dame, uh, Notre Dame Law School, to the Supreme Court. That—that that, That's crazy. Olbermann also said Republicans would try Bush v. Gore on a grand scale if Barrett gets confirmed. Remember, uh, remember it, even as we dream of a return to reality and safety and the country for which our forefathers died, that the fight is not just to win an election, but to win it by enough to chase, at least for the moment, Trump and the maggots off the stage and then try to to clean up what they left. He's not only calling for innocent people to be prosecuted. He's referring to 60 million plus people as insect larva, as maggots. He's referring to people as lesser than. This should be a red flag. Now, to be completely honest, Keith Olbermann is just an old resistance Democrat who no longer has a show and has launched a YouTube channel. But this is an example of the free pass the Democrats and the left get on YouTube. I could say the wrong name and they'd shut me down, which is why I ask you to subscribe and share my content. It's very likely after November 3rd, I will be banned. And I mean it. And I'm warning you. Because if you think I'm going to stand back while they, while these people get away with all this stuff without calling it out, you're wrong. And YouTube's already issued warnings. That you have to just accept what they say in media about the election. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to tell you what the truth is, regardless of what these people try to claim. I'll probably be banned. Could you imagine a right wing individual referring to the left as insects that need to be expunged, removed? They would never allow it. Keith Olbermann, on the other hand, well, he's an MSNBC resistance Democrat. He can call you a maggot and say you must be removed from society so we can clean up the mess and rebuild. That is a paranoid and unhinged rant if I've ever heard one. But I want to make sure I'm clear on this. He could just be it could just be the ravings of a madman. I don't want to overhype who this guy is. I mean, he's a prominent personality who had an MSNBC show and hosted a show for GQ. So I think that matters. That's why I'm talking about it. But maybe this is just him in his, you know, back alley homeless rant phase where he's wearing like old ready clothes going from society. And it's just The dude's lost his mind. But we hear similar things, and it's things like this that lead people to believe we are dangerously close to a civil war. Again, I'm not saying it will happen. I I believe there will be social unrest and not the only one. Fifty two percent of people are uh, of people who believe we're on the verge of a civil war are prepping. But I believe these people are prepping because mostly of covid. But we'll, we'll get into that. Olbermann began by posting YouTube videos earlier this week after announcing that ESPN has released him a little bit early. So he could resume political commentary. I'll be doing a new live daily commentary series with YouTube focused on the presidential election called the worst person in the world. You didn't really think I was going to set out this election, did you? Is YouTube going to allow someone to refer to 60 million people as maggots who must be expunged? I guess so. You know, I thought about it. I'm kind of glad I can hear him say it. Because we need people to hear what he has to say about Americans. Nine million people voted for Obama and then went on to vote for Trump. Are they maggots, too? Apparently so. Amy Coney Barrett's a federal judge, a a suburban mom and professor, accomplished woman. And now she's being appointed to the highest court. And he's calling her essentially a maggot who must be prosecuted. People need to know what Keith Olbermann is saying about them, what the resistance Democrats are saying about them. Now, I want to I want to make sure I hit it on both sides. Trump lashes out at at his cabinet with calls to indict political rivals. The pressure on his top administration officials to take action came as President Trump bristled at the restraints of his illness. Sure. Anyway, it's true for the most part that Donald Trump is furious. There will not be indictments before the election or at least a report coming out on the Obamagate scandal. This is essentially the origins of the Russia hoax, and it would seem that, yes, The Democrats did engage in what appears to be criminal activity. Why won't there be indictments? We don't know. Now, I'm highlighting this to show you what the left is talking about. They're saying Donald Trump wants Democrats to be prosecuted. I can give you a real reason to prosecute Democrats. uh, These resistance individuals who essentially fabricated this Russia hoax to remove or sabotage a duly elected president. I mean, that sounds crazy. And we've got receipts. Keith Oberman, however, is talking about prosecuting Amy Coney Barrett, who didn't do anything at all. What would she be prosecuted for? That freaks me out and calling them maggots. Trump is talking about this. Yes, Hillary Clinton orchestrated the Russia collusion farce from the National Review. They highlight that D- uh, National Intelligence Director John Ratcliffe added documentary corroboration to the disclosure he made the week before. In that first revelation via letter to the Senate Judiciary Committee, Ratcliffe explained because our spy agencies have very effective foreign intelligence gathering methods, they were able to obtain insight into a Russian intelligence analysis that concluded Clinton orchestrated the damaging political narrative. That is, Clinton actually did what she accused Trump of doing. She colluded with Russians through yet another foreigner, she recruited to meddle in the 2016 presidential campaign, the little Chris former British spy Christopher Steele, in order to damage Trump's campaign and cinch the election for herself. To simplify this, there are now uh, uh, several instances that warrant indictment, investigation or otherwise. There have been people who have been indicted, notably an ex-FBI lawyer who fabricated altered evidence in order to get an investigation into Trump's uh, Trump's people. We know that the investigation of Michael Flynn is mostly bunk and we know Joe Biden was involved in it. These are real things to investigate or possibly indict someone on. It doesn't matter. I don't stop for a second and hear me out. I don't care if you think that uh, Trump is evil or Trump is great. That's not the point. Let's say that Trump is wrong about the indictments and the Democrats are innocent. Let's say you're a Democrat and you think Trump's off his rocker trying to prosecute his political rivals. That's all that matters. All that matters is that we have Two sides demanding the arrest, the prosecution of their political enemies. Now, for me, what I see is Donald Trump has real reason to want to go after the Democrats, the Obama administration. There's actually evidence there. And I see the left saying arrest Trump. And I'm like, for what? Now they're saying arrest Amy Coney Barrett. And I'm like, for what? arrest the Democrats that I understand. Maybe I'm just missing something, but I'm pretty sure Amy Coney Barrett is not involved in any large criminal endeavors. I'm sure you can accuse Trump of a lot of things. So, So maybe they have that. But the point I'm trying to make is not who's right in this regard. What matters is that both sides believe they are right. And I hate to say it, but the truth doesn't matter here. For us, maybe it does. For the regular people who just want to be left alone and stay safe, maybe it does. For you, maybe it does. But in the big picture, Will there be unrest and conflict and chaos? So long as you have people who believe they are right and are escalating tensions, and it stands to reason there will be some kind of conflict. I don't know if it's going to be a civil war. I don't know if it's going to be social unrest. I don't know if it'll be a coup. Maybe it already was a coup. But it seems like something is coming. On the 27th, Robert Reich said it. The president thrives on division, speaks of we and them and encourages violence. No, mon- no wonder we fear he won't accept defeat. Spike Lee said the same thing. Trump won't leave. The civil war is coming. Robert Reich says it's already here. That's funny. I guess my question to all of these leftists who are like going to talk about civil war again, Tim. It's like, uh, I don't know. What about Robert Reich? Maybe he's just a crazy resistance Democrat like Keith Olbermann, but they're talking about it. Should I not talk about it too? I want to show you something really crazy that I found. First, just to, I highlighted this poll recently, but I want to give it to you for this important, this is important context in today's segment. 61%, according to a poll, say the U.S. is on the verge of a civil war and 52 are already prepping. Majority are stockpiling in anticipation of disruptions. Now, 58% of people polled are stockpiling for COVID. And it seems like there will be another covid lockdown, but the rest are worried about social unrest for racial reasons or political reasons. Okay, let's do it. Survival camps with bunkers, weapons arsenals, guard towers and enough food for 25 years will activate after the election amid fears of widespread loss of law and order and looting and violence. Do you think there will be two big marches? One waving an elephant, one waving a donkey or one waving a lion, I guess. No. Will there be uh, uniforms? No. Will there be a split in the military? Probably not. But will law and order break down? I'm sorry. It already did. The McCloskeys are being charged for defending their property. Now, I'm not going to say they defended their property well, but maybe you heard the story. Most of you probably have when the protesters went onto private property and they came out with guns to defend their property. I don't think they were responsible, but I think they have a right to defend their property from a large group of people that have been involved, whose movement has been involved in numerous deaths who they claim were were being threatened. I'm going to take them at their word, but they're being charged with felonies. They recently got indicted again. Uh, Apparently, they're being accused of uh, tampering with evidence. I think the whole thing is insane. We saw what what happened in Milwaukee. We saw what happened with with a man who was brandishing a weapon through his window. When protesters came to his house, a group of protesters previously implicated in setting fire to someone's home. What about in Portland? People are being released. 540 people had their charges dropped in relation to the ongoing unrest. The same is true in Chicago, New York, Fort Worth. They are releasing the rioters. Jay-Z, a celebrity, is going to be paying the bail, bail bonds, and fines Four people arrested in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. These are people, some of them who attacked homes, an old woman's home. The split is here. These people are getting bailed out. We have presidential uh, candidates who uh, Joe Biden's campaign bailing these people out, and we have Kamala Harris soliciting donations for them. The breakdown in law and order is already here. And here's the important thing. Look, man, I don't think they're going to go to every single person's house but they've gone to people's homes and they're going to more people's homes. I don't want to be in a, in a state that's got a duty to retreat because where am I supposed to go? No, I'm going to stay in my home and defend my, my property and, uh, uh, you know, be elevated a bit and just be left alone. I don't want to engage in any conflict with anybody. I just want to watch TV, hang out with my friends, live a normal life, share my opinions on the internet, as many people do. And I think that's what most people want. The people here in these survival camps... They want the same thing. They say a chain of U.S. survival communities plan to activate and open to members for the first time over fears of violence following the presidential election on on November 3rd. Fortitude Ranch camps in West Virginia and Colorado will open on election day to protect members. The company's October newsletter said, offering bunkers, guard towers and enough food to last 25 years, regardless of whether Republican presidential uh, President Donald Trump or Joe Biden wins the election. Fortitude Ranch expects possible looting and violence that could devolve into long-term widespread clashes, the newsletter said. Fortitude Ranch CEO Drew Miller said some on social media feared civil war, and he did not rule out the possibility. Now, this photo is really interesting. I see this 409 and this toilet paper and these jars. It looks like this place has been set up for chaos for a very long time because some of these labels on this food looks very, very old. It looks like it's all still good. Notice they also have a lot of gu- uh, guns and guard towers. Looks like they have underground bunkers of some sort. That's pretty, pretty. <laughs> that's pretty cool. This will be the first time we have opened for a collapsed disaster, though it may end up not being so, said Miller, a former Air Force intelligence officer with a Ph.D. from Harvard in operations research. We consider the risk of violence that could escalate in irrational, unpredictable ways into widespread loss of law and order is real. This is a guy with a Ph.D. from Harvard, man. This is not some random yokel being like, I think there's going to be civil war. No, this is a guy saying, I have a Ph.D. from Harvard, and I believe there's going to be civil unrest and a collapse of law and order. I'm pretty sure he doesn't really speak like that, but you get the stereotype I'm trying to portray. This is a smart dude. Seems like this guy knows what's up. Fortitude Ranch set up its first camp in West Virginia in 2015 and has two more 50-acre locations in Colorado. The exact locations of the camps are kept a secret and are known only by members. For an annual fee of around $1,000, members can vac- can vacation at camps in good times and use them as a refuge in the event of societal collapse. Members are required to uh, own either a rifle or shotgun to defend the communities. The company does not disclose membership numbers. The 100-acre West Virginia camp claims to have enough food and toilet pe- paper to last 500 people 25 years. Wow. Living by the motto, prepare for the worst, enjoy the president. Residents live in underground bunkers that offer protection from nuclear blasts, sleeping on one of 500 bunk beds. The bunkers are surrounded by a concrete wall easily manned by defenders. The camp is flanked by four lookouts armed with guns so that other Americans don't come and try to steal their food. It also has wells, radio equipment, greenhouses and a farm with goats, chickens and cows. Solar panels have been installed, allowing the camp to run off the grid. Now, I'm not saying that uh, you're going to need to go to any of these places. I'm not saying that Keith Olbermann is right. You know, I, I'm not saying that he's he's uh, um, representative of, of the left as, as a whole. But I think this is unprecedented in terms of our time in history. I'm not sure. may, may have been Noam Chomsky, but there have been some famous historians. He's not a, he's, a, he's a linguist. But there have been other famous historians I've seen. At least purported that uh, saying that we've never been in a time like this in history. The only other similar similar time was the first civil war. Hopefully, hopefully things don't get bad. But regardless of whether or not there's going to be a breakdown due to the election, you need to understand we're facing a breakdown due to covid. Dr. Birx warns of troubling signs in northeast with new rise in covid-19 cases indicating a very different spread of the virus and says What we did in the spring is not going to work in the fall. Maybe it's just COVID. Maybe the real crisis and breakdown in supply and the supply chain will be COVID. I mean, have you tried buying a bike lately or ammo? It's really difficult to get things, certain things right now. What what used to be an overnight order for me in terms of camera equipment is now like two or three week back orders. I recently purchased some bulletproof vests and they were back ordered some 8000 people, I believe. That to me, that's shocking. That's scary. There's reason to believe the election is not going to go smoothly. And if it doesn't, then civil unrest is likely. I think, however, if we don't have a real election result, then what will happen is Donald Trump will stay president and we may see sectarian or tribalist conflict. There may be elements of the left forming what they call an actual resistance, because if, Don- if the election isn't decided. And Donald Trump remains president and it goes to the Supreme Court, the left's gonna go insane. I don't think we'll be any better off if Biden wins, if the same thing happens. I don't know if there's gonna be an actual civil war or conflict, but I'll tell you this. This is some of the most extremist rhetoric I've seen so far, and as we get closer, it's gonna get crazier. I'll leave it there. I got more segments coming up at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast News. Thanks for hanging out. Take all of this with a grain of salt. I don't know what's going to happen. Okay, but I will see you all in the next segment at 6 p.m. on my other channel. Thanks for hanging out. There will be no second debate between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. The commission has canceled the debate after Donald Trump said he would not do a virtual debate. And I got to say, Donald Trump was right to refuse. Now, of course, the commission on presidential debate says. That everything would be fine because there will be press on scene making sure that Joe Biden isn't cheating or using prompters or anything like that. And my only response to that is you expect any of us to trust the press? Your second debate moderator was tweeting Anthony Scaramucci for advice. Anthony Scaramucci was a communications director for Trump for like 10 days and since then has become one of the staunchest anti-Trump critics. Why would a debate moderator ask that guy for advice? I know it wasn't the, the I don't think it was the craziest story in the world. What was crazy is that the seemingly innocuous tweet prompted him to, to I was hacked he claimed. He claims he was hacked several times now. You now the debate moderators are absolutely biased. And now the third debate moderator, get this, has deactivated her Twitter account entirely. And many people are now angry wanting to know what she was tweeting about and why she would delete her account or deactivate it. I'm sorry, it still technically exists. Maybe it'll come back. I'm sorry it's because the whole thing is rigged. I want to make sure I clarify this right in the beginning of this of this segment. A lot of people thought that the VP uh, debate was fine, that the, the moderator did a good job calling out Kamala Harris and Joe Biden on the Green New Deal. But did they ask about Antifa? 133 days of violent rioting. Did they ask Kamala Harris about her solicitation for donations for rioters? No. Did they ask about Joe Biden spying? No, because they want to feign objectivity. But what they really do is pretend to be objective and then refuse to talk about things that are actually important to a lot of people in this country, notably Obamagate and the Russia Gate scandal. What caused all of this? Why did we deal with it? The moderators aren't giving us that. So why then is this third debate moderator deleting her account, deactivating. Sorry, I want to be very specific. I, I don't know, but I have archives I've pulled up and I think there may be some kind of stupid reasons I'll tell you this on the surface. I've gone through her archi- archive of her tweets and I don't really see anything shocking other than she was a part of the Clinton press corps. And that may be uh, that may be unethical. She was on the Clinton press corps. She's very close to the Clinton administration. Thus, uh, uh, or oh, I'm sorry, with with Clinton and parts of the, uh, uh, the Obama uh, Biden administration. So maybe that's too much. But let's read the story about them canceling the debate. And I want to point something out. Donald Trump does need the debate. He does. He needs to let Joe Biden speak and speak a lot because Joe Biden keeps lying. You know, what's really crazy to me is during the second debate. I saw people saying of Mike Pence, you're gaslighting us. You're gaslighting us, Mike Pence, because he said that Donald Trump never said the very fine people hoax, the, the the fine people, you know, Nazis and all this stuff. Donald Trump said the white nationalists and Nazis should be condemned totally. It's a quote. Go look it up. They These people were claiming that Mike Pence was lying. And I'm like, did you even bother to Google search it? That's the craziest thing to me. So you end up with these people believing the lies OK, so maybe it's bad, I guess, if Joe Biden speaks, but someone needs to call him out. So Trump does need to debate. here's the problem. They were claiming that the, the debate commission came out when Donald Trump said he wouldn't do a virtual debate. And they said it's not going to be like a computer thing. He you could do it from the Oval Office. There will be press and there will be, you know, commission and uh, people there. Dude, come on, man. They're going to have some people there with Biden and they're going to have like an earpiece. They could do a ton of things to help Biden through this and the and the journalists aren't going to rat him out because they're biased. We know they are. We know they lie. They view Trump as an, uh, 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 an aberration, as as an as an abomination, as a as a a problem, not as a duly elected president. Here's the news from CNN. The Commission on Presidential Debates on Friday canceled the second debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden after the president declined to do a virtual debate despite concerns over his COVID-19 diagnosis. I do think it's fair to have concerns over Trump's COVID diagnosis, but I gotta tell you, it's really easy to deal with that. I mean, come on—they put plexiglass between Kamala and and Pence, and neither of them are sick. So they—I'll tell you what you do. It's really simple. You get a big, you get a big like uh, um, plastic tube, and you make Trump walk from the exit straight into it, wearing a mask, and then he stands at the podium and he's surrounded by plexiglass. I mean, they could do things to make it in person. The fact that they wouldn't even bother with normal procedure and instead jump to a virtual debate. It's a red flag for me because you got to think about what happened at the last debate. They didn't follow proper procedure. They said, well, well, Trump got here too late, so we didn't test him. That's no excuse for abandoning proper safety protocol. That's on you, not Trump. If Trump showed up late and you were like, yo, you're too late. We told you to get here at this time. that's Then you cancel the debate. You postpone it. You say, we're going to postpone it tomorrow. No, they wanted their ratings. They wanted their show. They wanted their 80 million viewers. I think it was like 75. And thus, well, people got sick, I guess, and maybe it was Trump who got sick. They were, they're trying to claim it was the Amy Coney Barrett event, but 11 people got sick of the debate. That's their fault, not Trump's fault. The cancellation is the culmination of a furious 48-hour back and forth between the commission and both campaigns and means what would have been the third debate in Nashville on October 22nd will likely be the final meeting between the two candidates. The Wall Street Journal was first to report on the commission's dis- decision. It is now apparent there will be no debate on October 15th. And the CPD will turn its attention to preparations for the final presidential debate scheduled for October 22nd, the commission said in a statement. The commission, with the backing of their health advisors, announced on Thursday morning that because Trump tested positive for the coronavirus, the debate that was scheduled for Miami would be held virtually, with the two candidates appearing from remote locations. Trump swiftly rejected that plan, saying he would not show up and setting off a series of events that put the future of the general election debates into question. I love this part he would not show up. It's a remote debate, dude. CNN, come on, what are you doing? Um, but but I I I'm sorry. I think Trump was actually absolutely correct to to make that call. In response to Trump's cancellation, a Biden spokeswoman swiftly said that they have uh they would have to uh, they would have agreed to a virtual format for next Thursday's contest, but because the president had seemingly bailed, they would book another format for the former vice president to take questions. And they did just that when later in the day. ABC News announced they would be hosting a town hall with the former vice president. Now, I think this is still bad for Trump, but it was a rock and a hard place. Why didn't the commission ask Trump and Biden first to negotiate terms for a new debate? I think they're protecting Joe Biden. I know that's that's what Trump said, but it really does seem like that. A lot of people said that Joe Biden won. You know, all these polls come out. Some say that nobody won. Some say Trump won. It really does come down to the establishment's going to always claim uh, Biden won or Kamala won. And then you're going to see Trump supporters, independent media saying Trump won or nobody won. I saw a lot of Trump supporters saying they did not like the job that Donald Trump did. However, Joe Biden interrupted first and Donald Trump called him out in many circumstances. Trump missed his cues in many of these circumstances. It was not a good performance. Mike Pence, however, did an amazing job. Have more of that. Mike Pence walked all over uh, Kamala's plans, well, lack thereof, and what she was saying. He just annihilated her. Vice President Biden looks forward to making his case to the American people about how to overcome this pandemic, restore American leadership, and our alliances in the world, and bring the American people together. Biden campaign spokesman Andrew Bates said Friday in a statement, It's shameful that Donald Trump ducked the only debate in which the voters get to ask the questions. But it's no surprise. Spare me, dude. The Trump campaign in response to their candidate backing out of the debate issued three statements on Thursday that slammed the commission, pushed the Biden campaign to agree to an in-person debate and said they would be willing to push the October 15 debate back a week to October 22nd and then move the third debate to October 29th, just days before the election. That makes the most sense. 100% that makes the most sense. More debates are better. Why wouldn't Joe Biden want more debates? Biden's campaign rejected the proposal. So 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 let's this is this is the bias. This is what I cannot stand. The commission thinks that they can unilaterally say we're not going to give you the opportunity to negotiate terms. We're going to do a virtual event because we said so. And Biden goes works for me. Trump said I didn't agree to those terms. Here's my proposal. We push it back a week. No, Biden says no. No. They're clearly in favor of Biden. So why won't the media say Joe Biden refuses to debate in person? Where's the CNN article about that? Why are they saying Donald Trump is refusing instead of saying Joe Biden is refusing? Trump didn't change the rules. This is the inherent bias. You get the point. They say uh, Trump campaign has argued because the president's physician, Navy commander Sean Conley, has cleared him for travel. The commission should move the debate to an in-person setting. Trump is now in talks to do a town hall with NBC on Thursday in lieu of the debate. As long as Trump gets to go on TV and Biden goes on TV, fine. But this is a stupid election cycle. I want to see Donald Trump and Joe Biden have a battle of ideas. I guess you can call it. I want to see Joe Biden called out for his lies. And I do want to see Donald Trump called out as well. Donald Trump is far from perfect and Joe Biden is, is is as well. But I think Biden is a duplicitous establishment crony. And I don't like the guy. Trump barely gets a pass for me to be completely honest. But these peace deals in the Middle East are, are you know, they're grand slams, in my opinion. I, I, I got to say it because it's one of the most important things literally in the world. How stupid is it when we're seeing all of this like, well, Trump's Middle Eastern peace deals aren't that big a deal. No peace prize for him. This is just so dumb. One of the most important things the world has ever seen. Middle Eastern peace coming into focus. And they won't give Trump credit for that. That's why I think it's, it's important for Trump to win. At least for now. You know what? All these people complaining about American social issues. Don't care. Nah. I literally don't. Sorry. Trump signed historic peace agreements and is, and is pulling out our, tro- pulling the troops out of the Middle East and wants a drawdown for Christmas. I'll take it. It's more important than your, your whiny social issues. Literally people dying. I love how they're like, but what about our social issues where our people are dying? I don't know how many people have died in 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 the United States because of your social issues. Thirteen. That's bad. It, it really is. It really is. Black lives matter. I agree with you. Thirteen. That's how many unarmed black men were shot and killed last year, according to, to the Washington Post's uh, uh, tracking of this. You know how many people have died in the Middle East because of uh, the, the incursions? So I'm sorry, man. Uh, you know, y- you got to take the win when you can take it. But take a look at this. This is where the the the, the, the weird starts popping and in, coming into focus. Third debate moderator Kristen Welker's Twitter account deactivated amid Steve Scully controversy. The C-SPAN host Twitter account was also deactivated followed, following the alleged hacking. Do they think we are stupid? Steve Scully, I was hacked. Were you now? Just for that one tweet to Anthony Scaramucci. The game is rigged, man. They will they will give Biden favorable terms. And if Trump says, here's my proposal instead of negotiating, they'll say, nope, shut it down, cancel it. No for you, Trump. But we'll give Biden whatever he wants. That's ridiculous. The terms of the debate should be negotiated by both candidates. You don't just get Joe Biden to say works for me. And then Trump gets his chance. to Say, how about we move it back a week? They've actually rejected more in-person debates that they rejected them. They don't want it. Well, now a third. Look at this. K Welker, NBC. The account doesn't exist actually have it pulled up. Look at this. It's gone. She deleted her account. I wonder what she was tweeting about that resulted in her deleting her Twitter, deactivating. I know I keep saying it. They say the Twitter account of NBC News correspondent and third presidential debate moderator Kristen Welker has been deactivated on Friday amid the tweeting controversy surrounding C-SPAN host Steve Scully. Hours after Scully's Twitter account was deleted following an alleged hack that took place on Thursday night, Welker's own account was no longer active. Fox News is told that Welker deactivated her own account and was not asked to by the Commission on Presidential Debates, according to an NBC source. Disqualify her now. New moderator now. Now. I don't care what she was tweeting about. I don't. And reactivating the account won't be good enough because she may have already scrubbed everything. Get rid of her now. And I am not saying this to disrespect her. I am not trying to impugn her honor, but she just deactivated her account and that raises red flags. Get a new debate moderator now. No wonder Donald Trump didn't want to do this virtual debate. The game is rigged. These people keep doing things like this. They don't want you to know what she was saying. Maybe she didn't say anything all that crazy. I got to be honest. I didn't find anything in the archives all that crazy. However, The archives only cover certain amounts of time and a certain number of tweets, and it's entirely possible she was saying pro-Clinton, pro-Biden, pro-Democrat stuff, and we'll never know. She disqualified herself, and the Trump administration should demand they switch moderators right now. Of course, then they'll say, no, no, we're canceling the debate. We're canceling the debate. Heaven forbid the cronies aren't allowed to cheat. Now, look, I don't know if this woman was cheating. I don't know if the debates are doing any cheating. I'll tell you this. The way I mentioned, the the way they frame questions, the questions they don't ask, it absolutely is biased. If you read conservative news outlets, you'll see a bunch of stories that don't appear in the mainstream media. And because of this, these stories will never be asked of Joe Biden. The easiest way to explain it is Donald Trump will be asked to denounce white supremacy, and they'll never ask Joe Biden to denounce Black Lives Matter or Antifa, because those are the extremists that have been riding for 133 days. They'll then get an NBC uh, our journalist worked on the Clinton beat, delete their Twitter account, and it's OK. No, it's fine. They just covered something up. We don't know what. But you expect me to trust this now. Let me tell you, if you want the trust of the American people moving forward, then this is the wrong move. Well, let me let me show you what we have here. So this is Kristen Welker's account, and I have this uh, this this archive. I don't know the exact date on this one because this one is in a language I'm not entirely familiar with. What, uh, is this tie or uh, no, it's not tie. I have no idea. But anyway, look, th- this is the one that's being shared around where she talks about being on the Clinton press corps. Oh, okay. So this is just before, uh, the election in 2016. We can see, uh, November 3rd. I, I believe it's November 3rd. Uh, I think I actually have the English version of this. Well, here's September 16, 1620- 20. Uh, let's, let's just, let's just go back in time and look at what she was tweeting about. She says the room is not packed, but Hillary Clinton gets a huge applause. Uh, covering Hillary Clinton, Secretary Clinton in Columbus, Clinton calls Puerto Rico to be treated fairly. Clinton, 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 Clinton. She was a member of the Clinton press corps. That means that during the Clinton campaign, she followed her around and reported on what she was doing. This is not inherently biased or there's not anything wrong with that. But perhaps it was a bad choice to choose a former member of the Clinton press corps. And maybe you should have chosen someone else. That could be the real issue, because even though. She's not doing I, I can't see any tweets from her for the most part that in any way are, uh, I don't know, wrong or bad or imp- improper. She seems just be covering Clinton. Some people have highlighted quotes from other politicians. She was tweeting as though they were close quotes from her. That's not fair either. But I think you would see conservatives say no. You know why? She clearly had access to Clinton. She clearly had access to Clinton's people. This is a bias issue. What if someone gave her a present and then she felt feels guilty about calling? What if Joe Biden was there? Probably at some point she probably met Joe Biden, talked to them had a lovely exchange. And while that's not inherently bad, she was working on covering the Democrats. And that may be the bias that many people are concerned about. What you need to understand about bias is it's not even so much about wanting them to win. Look at it this way. Steve Scully. The guy who was supposed to moderate the second debate. Now the whole thing's canceled. Maybe, that, maybe that's maybe that is the right choice considering dude was full of it. He interned for Joe Biden. Are you kidding me? This thing is so dirty. They took a they took a Biden intern and asked him. He's listen, could you imagine him sitting there? Tonight's debate. Between Joe Biden and Donald Trump here on C-SPAN, I'd like to open by saying, Joe Biden, thanks you, thank you for uh, helping launch my career. I'm now a C-SPAN host moderating a presidential debate, and it's all thanks to you. Donald Trump, you're orange. Look, even if he didn't say anything bad about Trump, the fact that he owes someone a favor or would be respectful or grateful to the opportunities granted to him as an intern is a problem. The same is true for this woman as someone who covered the Clinton press corps. Now, maybe a lot of people are going to say, what's the big deal? We need neutral moderators. We need people who aren't on the beat with Clinton doing these uh, moderating these debates. And so we, we look, look, I, I pulled up a bunch of her archives, even into 2020. And it's it's it really is innocuous. Um, there's not a whole lot there. Today's show says presumptive presidential nominee Joe Biden's choice of running mate could be revealed at any time. Uh, uh, Kay Welker NBC has more of the top contenders, including Kamala Harris, Governor Gretchen Wimmer, Whitmer Whitmer. And a and, and, uh, former ambassador, Susan Rice, it's 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 really tame stuff that you'd expect from a run of the mill journalist. But the bigger problem is that she deleted her account. I can't see all of the tweets she made. I, so I honestly have no idea. She's won some award for women in journalism. I honestly have no idea. Maybe she's had a bunch of disparaging disparaging things. We'll never know. Let me tell you why Donald Trump needs a debate for, for clips like this from The Hill. Joe Biden President Trump will be the first president in modern history since Hoover to leave office with fewer jobs than he had when he came into office. You kidding me, dude? Are you Is this a joke? Wow. I I hope you all tell this to your friends and your family. OK, Joe Biden is is tricking you. He is trying to deceive you. Donald Trump may be the first president in modern history to leave with less jobs uh, because Democrat governors shut down the economy. That's it. And that's what I really can't stand about Mike Pence. Talk about an idiot. Mike Pence tweeted Trump shut down the economy and then deleted the tweet. And then during the debates, he said the the Trump's move to shut the economy down. He didn't. It was the Democrats, the Democrats. It was Cuomo and Murphy and Wolf and Whitmer. They shut the economy down, killing thousands, hundreds of thousands of jobs. That wasn't Trump. Trump had record low unemployment across the board. The best numbers of our lives, says Joe Kramer. Joe Biden is is a duplicitous establishment crony. You know what? I would rather see Donald Trump spit and yowl and throw out every single, you know, uh, profane prof- profane comment or profanity, whatever, if it means we don't have these people like Biden, Forty seven year career politicians who did nothing, who are literally the systemic racism you claim to oppose this guy. Forty seven years. He was in office creating the laws you claim are bad and you're going to vote for the guy. Oh, please. Donald Trump wasn't. So you know what? Take the ball in the ivory tower over this guy any day. But let's be honest. Joe Biden is a warmonger presidential candidate. Hillary Clinton was, too. I am sick of the faux anti-war left. I am sick of the anti-war progressives being like, well, uh, these peace deals don't really mean anything. When, when Donald Trump crossed the DMZ, the demilitarized zone into North Korea with Kim Jong with no security, my jaw hit the floor. And what do we see? Trump loves dictators. Shut your mouth. Donald Trump crossed into North Korea with no security other than the might of the American military, but not directly. They could have snatched him up. They they do it to South Korean soldiers on the border. Trump has tried to bring about peace, and I respect that. And for me, everything else is, I don't know, just the most important thing, in my opinion, right now is the world, the entirety of the world. And, you know, there's a lot of people who are voting for Trump because he's America first. I got to be honest. I'm that's that's not me. That's absolutely not me. I do think it's absurd that American citizens aren't taking care of each other because of our policies the politicians have where they want to send taxpayer dollars to foreign countries. But I actually like the idea that we can offer up assistance and aid and help around the world because we're we're a well-off nation. My my issue with Joe Biden and Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton was the wars. I've been to I've been to some of these countries. I've been on the ground. I have met many of these people. I have seen the refugee crisis firsthand. I went to the Greek uh, uh, to Greece. I went to Athens. I went to the islands. I went to Moria, the refugee camp. And I talked to many of these people. And, you know, what I learned from a lot of them. It's the wars that are causing the problem. So much of this. I'm not going to be as crazy As many of these activists claim that my issue is literally the most important issue for you, it may be your your job, first and foremost, your safety and your security. And I respect that. For me, when I see a president doing his best to wind down the wars, I'm like, that's going to help alleviate a lot of the problems of the refugee crisis straight up. And that's something that a lot of people are concerned about, even the left. How do you help these people who are crossing these boats? Well, you end the conflict and you teach people to fish. Donald Trump is trying to do that. Joe Biden will not do that. I am absolutely worried about a Joe Biden presidency because he's going to go bomb kids again. And it's, it's shocking to me. I, I talk to people and, and they're like, I don't know what you mean by Barack Obama was killing kids. Uh, they called him Obomber, Obama, Obama-er because the drone strikes Trump increased drone strikes. Yeah, I'm not happy about it. And in the first couple of years, I was dragging him over and over saying, no, nope, this is exactly why I don't want to vote for the guy. Then he fired Bolton. Now he's pulling our troops back. I will take what I can get from my president. That's that. That's about the best I can say. The peace deals are huge. Withdrawing from the Middle East is is massive. And maybe we can do something to end this refugee crisis among other issues. I think the world matters. And I think Joe Biden has nothing but disdain for most people. And he wants the keys to the castle. What has he accomplished in his 47 years? I don't know. Racist policies. The left claims to hate, but we'll vote for him anyway. I'm sick of it, man. I didn't vote in 2016. I'm one of these independents who thought the system was stupid and the, and the politicians were, were bad. Now we're seeing because of apathy like that and because of a, a fractured political system, the rise of left, this leftist cult of, of, of intersectionality, conflict and crisis, a left that will not speak out against war. And you have these progressive leftists. I know many of these anti-war individuals that are dragging Trump, helping Joe Biden. And it makes literally no sense. By all means, vote for Joe Jorgensen. Ken Bone, remember that guy? That's what he said he's going to do. My respect. If you want to vote for Joe Jorgensen, always vote for who you believe in and your vote will never be wasted. But vote for someone who you actually believe in, not because you don't like the Orange Man. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then. Left and right wing mean literally nothing right now. We've got some charts that show that the Democrats have moved further left. The Republicans kind of stayed where they were. And I want to break this down to tell you what it actually means. But left and right, as they're often used in media, are completely meaningless. Case in point, the story about Gretchen Whitmer and the people who wanted to kidnap her. Interestingly, there's a sheriff who says, was it really kidnapping or was it a citizen's arrest? And I'm kind of like, yo, you need to chill, dude, because these guys were planning some crazy stuff like staking out her house or vacation home. But are they right wing? I mean, they call Trump supporters right wing. Then they call anti-government extremists right wing. And they call ethno supremacists right wing, unless, of course, they're black, then they're left wing. That's the ADL. And that seems to make literally no sense. And and, and hear me out. Check this out. The Anti-Defamation League actually lists black supremacy as left wing and white supremacy as right wing. What does that even mean? They believe the same things except the color. That's the only difference. And left and right means literally nothing. As it turns out, one of the guys, at least one of the guys, who was plotting this uh, this kidnapping or attack on uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer had attended a Black Lives Matter rally. Another one of these guys, may, I'm not, I don't think it's the same person. Another, another one of these guys said that Trump was a tyrant and he has a big anarchy flag behind him. Now, many on the left are quick to disavow, saying they're not leftists. They're N-CAPs. I mean, maybe they are. They seem to overlap quite a bit with the Boogaloo movement. You know, Boogaloo's not really a group, but there are, like Antifa, various Boogaloo groups, I guess, like groups of people that adhere to this idea that a civil war is coming or that they want it. And the reality is they're very much in line with Antifa and Black Lives Matter. Like, seriously, they show up to the same events. They disagree on a bunch of fundamental issues, except they're both, except both, all of these groups want to tear down the government. So they're unified in that front. And, and the Anti Defamation League actually points this out. So, how does it make sense to call them a far right extremist group? What makes them right wing? They support Black Lives Matter. How is that right wing? But to be completely honest, they wear American flags. And they like the Constitution, just not the current form of government. So that's certainly not left wing. Many of them are more capitalist. It doesn't mean anything. But the media is not going to give you a a, a fair breakdown of this. Most of these news outlets give you only a very reductive or simplistic view of what any of this actually means. And that's a disservice to all of us. So how about I actually jump in and show you what the result of all of this is? If the media is going, let let, let me show you something. Let me show you something. ADL, the Anti-Defamation League. Small but vocal array of right-wing extremists appearing at protests. What makes them right-wing? They support Black Lives Matter. That I don't understand. But the ADL does give a very uh, relatively fair assessment of what the Boogaloo movement is, straight up saying they're not white supremacists. find it very interesting. Why was it so easy for the media to condemn the Boogaloo movement? Far-right extremists, yet they actively support the same groups the Boogaloo movement supports. Think about this. Boogaloo movement is joining Black Lives Matter. There's tweets and images and journalists have shown that they agree on that core, the core issue of protesting police, abolishing police, getting rid of government and all that stuff. OK, now where you go after afterwards, I, I guess they don't agree with. But let me tell you something. What would you what would you do if you heard that a boo? Like, what would you think if, if the media reported a a celebrity was bailing out Boogaloo members? Let's say a boogaloo person is out protesting for Black Lives Matter, like we saw with the gov- with the Gretchen Whitmer thing, and I'll read that in a second. Let's say they get arrested. Kamala Harris is going to bail that guy out all the same, right? Don't you get what the problem is with Joe Biden's campaign staff bailing people out indiscriminately, and Kamala Harris listening don- donations for that exact reason? It means that boogaloo boys, be it far right or whatever, are going to get bailed out too. It means that the people who are joining these protests aren't all. Left or right, I guess it doesn't even matter. They're just anti-government extremists. Maybe that's the best way to explain it. Well, now we have Jay-Z offering to pay bail bonds and citation fees for protesters arrested in Wauwatosa. Black Lives Matter protesters in Wauwatosa, some of whom were smashing up the windows of private homes, leaving an old woman terrified, 70-year-old woman scared as people would just start smashing up people's windows. Why? I have no idea. But what makes you think any of these people are anything other than extremists? Left and right is meaningless. And if Jay-Z is, pay- paying bail bo- uh, is paying bail bonds and citation fees for those arrested in Wauwatosa, how many of them are actually Boogaloo Boys? I think that would be really interesting to find out. Let me show you the story. Accused the leader of plot to kidnap Michigan governor was struggling financially living in basement storage space. You can see that I have Black Lives Matter pulled up, they say. One of the alleged plotters, 23-year-old Daniel Harris, attended a Black Lives Matter protest in June, telling the Oakland County Times he was upset about the killing of George Floyd and police violence. Were these guys right wing? I don't think so. I don't think you can call them that anymore. If you go to the Anti-Defamation League's heat map, it's like, I don't know what heat stands for, whatever, but it shows you like um, hate and extremism. That's probably what it is. And hate extremism and terrorism. Maybe I just figured it. I don't know. You'll see that they have three categories. They have right-wing anti-government, right-wing white supremacist, and right-wing other. And when you search for left-wing, it actually shows you the black supremacist in Dallas, I think. And I'm like, but he believes the same thing as these guys. Like, these guys agree. Like, they they all agree with each other. Is the Anti-Defamation League saying that the only difference between left and right-wing is literally the color of your skin? That's not what left and right is. But I suppose as you have the rise of this like leftist cult of intersectionality, they are literally making it about white and black. So if you support the movement that is purportedly in favor of, say, black lives, that's left. And if you support them while wearing an American flag, (laughs) that's right wing. And then what happens is they use right wing to attack Trump supporters, which have literally nothing to do with this. Trump supporters are not anti-government extremists. And most liberals are also not anti-government extremists. They're just, I don't know, they have mostly bad policies. And, and I say this because uh, they've been adopting leftist policy, but not leftist anti-government stances for the most part. Although we're starting to get there with how insane the media is going. Now, this is, look, this is the, this is the general lead, right? I see a lot of people saying that these guys who are trying to kidnap Governor Whitmer were actually leftist anarchists. I I, I, I don't think they're leftist. But they're anarchists, many of them, and they're pro-Black Lives Matter, many of them. So they don't really fit in this left-right spectrum. And if we're talking about Democrats and Republicans, they absolutely don't. They're more in line with Black Lives Matter. The big problem then is, though, that Black Lives Matter has support from establishment politicians. Let me show you what what they say over on the ADL about the Boogaloo movement. They say, the Boogaloo movement is an anti-government extremist movement that formed in 2019. In 2020, boogalooers increasingly engaged in real world activities as well as online activities, showing up at protests and rallies around gun rights, pandemic restrictions and police related killings. The term boogaloo is a slang reference to a future civil war, a concept boogalooers anticipate and even embrace. It's not even boogalooers who think this. Spike Lee said it. This is the weirdest thing to me. The people who are acting like there's no mainstream conversation around a civil war, one that like I didn't make up. And don't bring up unless it's pro- I'm prompted by mainstream media's conversations about it. To be fair, there's a couple of videos I made where I was the one asking the question. But it's only because we've seen, as I've mentioned several times now, all of these different stories and the most notable being like Spike Lee, the famous director, very prominent personality and activist saying it's coming. And I'm kind of like, oh, OK. And then you hear the rhetoric from some of these people in the mainstream. Let me tell you, man, you've got mainstream Trump supporters saying America make it great keep it great good things government etc you've got the left actively calling for revolution and many democrats supporting them the younger generation of leftists are absolutely in line with overthrowing the government like you know black lives matter wants to abolish the police they do maybe there are older more moderate mainstream establishment democrats who will just tribalistically defend the left for whatever reason maybe that's it But I'm telling you, man, I look at the millennials and they've lost it. They want like dramatic overhaul of our economy and all this other stuff. And the Boogaloo movement is likely to agree with them because it's all a means to an end. They say the ideology of the Boogaloo movement is still developing, but it's primarily anti-government, anti-authority and anti-police in nature. It's basically like. People who like America, but agree with the with Antifa and and, and and Black Lives Matter. There's video of the Boogaloo boys or of some Boogaloo boys talking to Antifa. And they're like, they're like, you know, they, they, they elbow bump, I think, because of COVID or whatever. But they're like, hey, man, we agree with you. Like, we totally agree. And Antifa is like, OK, cool. And there's a video where this Antifa guy is like, you were there to protect us. So we're, we're, we're down to support you guys. They're the same thing. The only difference, I think, between I guess why, why what the left and the right uh, where the left and the right comes from is Boogaloo boys would probably want a more capitalistic system. Should there be some kind of civil war and Antifa would want a socialist or communist system? Not every single Antifa, though, because I've met some who are straight up anarchists and don't want anything like they want. Like, I don't know, I, I guess you can call it anarcho-communism. So maybe it's communism. They say most Boogaloos are not white supremacists, though one can find white supremacists within the movement because the movement isn't so much a movement. It's just people who are like telling jokes. They think a civil war is coming. So they're coming out armed and supporting Black Lives Matter. Boogalooers rely on memes and jokes. We get it. The boogalooers anti-police beliefs prompted them to participate widely in the Black Lives Matter protests following the killing of George Floyd. And there you go. Boogaloo boogalooers have been arrested for crimes up to and including murder and terror plots. And that's where we're at right now. We have this 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 breaking story from W.M.A.R. Baltimore. FBI agents link Baltimore, uh, uh, Baltimore County man to extremist group and arrests him on gun charges. I don't think extremist group makes sense. They say far right extremist movement in the article. Maybe, I mean, is Black Lives Matter, they're calling for the abolition of police and they're calling for revolution? What's the difference? Are they far left extremists? Ah, and there it is. The media won't call them that. And that's kind of the point I'm trying to make in this video. If, if the Boogaloo Boys support and march with Black Lives Matter, but Black Lives Matter is a far left extremist group, then what does any of this really mean? All that matters is that you have extremists working together. Now, look, I think a lot of the Black Lives Matter protesters, they want revolution, and I think that's nuts. And a lot of the boogalooers want civil war, and that's also nuts. Maybe it's because they've trained and they're ready and they're, and you know, and they, they, they know what to expect, or maybe they're just dumb people larping like many of these Antifa people. I tell you what, though, I'd be willing to bet that most of these people, whatever you want to call them, boogaloo, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, they would not be happy in a civil war. They wouldn't, and they would regret it. They would lo- they would wish for these days when before all, all, you know, all all this craziness erupted, they would want just some normalcy back. Well, take a look at this. Michigan sheriff says plot to kidnap Governor Governor Whitmer might have been legal and simply a citizen's arrest as he calls twins charged over at nice people and reveals he shared a stage with them at anti lockdown rally. This just shows it is all about framing. That's that's what it is. It's framing, in my opinion. These guys said that they wanted to arrest Whitmer and try her for treason. The FBI said they wanted to kidnap her because they didn't have the legal authority to do so. The, this Michigan sheriff is saying, actually, if you believe that someone is in commission of a felony, you can place them under citizen's arrest. And then I guess the way it works, and I could be wrong, is that if you arrest someone and accuse them of, of of a felony. And then it later, later turns out they didn't commit that felony. You can be sued. But citizens arrests are legal. The only problem is that apparently these guys were planning like a lot more than just, you know, arresting. I'm doing air quotes. Arresting Governor Whitmer. And so, no, I'm not playing that game. They say Bar Co- Barry County Sheriff Dara Leaf made the remarks in an interview on Thursday. He defended Michael and William Null as innocent until proven guilty. The Knoll brothers were among 13 charged in a plot to kidnap Michigan governor. He says, quote, it's just a charge and they say a plot to kidnap. And you got to remember that. Are they trying to kidnap? Because a lot of people are angry with the governor and they want her arrested. So are they trying to arrest or was it a kidnap attempt? Because you can still in Michigan, if it's a felony, make a felony arrest. The reason why I highlight this story in this in this context is. First and foremost, let me just stress the first portion of this whole segment is just that left and right is completely meaningless. I mean, there are tribes, you know, there is Republican, Democrat, but left and right doesn't mean anything. You've got leftists, uh, former former left, you know, leftist people, uh, liberals, whatever you want to call them, voting for Trump. And a lot of them. Jack Murphy wrote the book on it, Democrat to Deplorable, and he explained why. So left and right doesn't mean anything. You just have tribes based on worldview, I suppose. What I see here with this sheriff is a world view, is a, a divergence in worldview. This guy supports these dudes. I mean, he's providing them with support, saying that they wanted to arrest a criminal who is violating the law. It is a fact that what Grevin, uh, Gretchen Whitmer was doing was unconstitutional. How is it resolved? Very simply with checks and balances in the courts. So any attempt to arrest or kidnap her is completely inappropriate because the courts ruled what she did was wrong and it's over. Now there is a challenge. Look, if, if Whitmer was literally like rounding people up and putting them in camps or something, then I'd be more sympathetic to these guys. No, she was damaging businesses, which is ending lives, but it was, look, there's a, there's an emergency situation with a pandemic. So I can understand this idea that the individual is going to try. And I think in this circumstance, there should have been an immediate ruling from the courts. They shouldn't have waited this long. Then this would have been shut down much sooner. But more importantly, the court system worked. Our form of government is brilliant. The, the founding fathers were very, very smart in how they set this up. I believe what these guys did was very, very wrong. And I'm happy the FBI actually stopped them. A lot of people have said, oh, the FBI probably just set them up and encouraged him to do it. It's like, They reached out to a a militia asking for help. That's I guess guess that's the story. And they were actually staking out this, you know, Whitmer's home. So this is a little bit more than that. I'm not surprised that you're having these people say they're going to go and stop, you know, a tyrannical governor. But that's what the courts are for. And so perhaps the best thing to do is petition the courts for a redress of grievances. Right. And that's what we do. And it works. We cannot permit violent extremism, especially when you're winning. Talk about like, ooh, bad, bad move. You have this this governor who I believe Whitmer is a tyrant for sure. And the court said so. And when she was like, well, I'm going to do it anyway. You can't stop me. The AG said, I'm not going to enforce your edict anymore. It's over. You've lost. The court system worked. But for a sheriff to come out and say, well, maybe they just want to arrest her. Fine. I get it. Okay, I I hear you. I hear you. That could be a legitimate argument. It's all about framing. But that scares me because then we're entering the space where even a sheriff would think it was necessary or acceptable for private citizens to make the make an arrest of a government official. Where do you think this all leads leads to? Let me show you some tweets. I said, doesn't the data speak for itself? The left is moving further left. The right is a little bit but the median right is only slightly further right. Now, one person responded saying, how much of this is just the window moving to the right? It's not. Are you nuts? In 2004, when the Democrats and the Republicans were close, a lot closer to each other, more willing to compromise, we had uh, Democrats say things like, we should have border security. And Obama was called the deporter in chief. What this graph shows is not, that the Democrats have become communist or that Republicans have become laissez-faire capitalist. It shows that they're no longer compromising and they're polarizing. In 2000 uh, in 1994, you can see there is a very large overlap between Democrats and Republicans in 04. You can see they've actually come closer together and there is a very serious median overlap between the two parties. That does not necessarily mean good things for the American people in 2017. Democrats and Republicans overlap very little. The Democrats have veered very far left. <clears throat> what this means is that Democrats have become increasingly less willing to compromise and Republicans are still compromising. Look at this with the median Democrat. It means that Republicans are playing fair and trying to find common ground, but the Democrats are moving further and further away. Yes, it does imply the Democrats are going farther left, but what it says is consistently liberal versus consistently conservative. One of the mistakes they make about Kamala Harris is that they say she's the most liberal member of Congress. What they're really saying is she's the least likely to compromise with any Republicans. Thus, her policies are less likely to have any kind of conservative tint to them. But it doesn't mean they're communist or socialist, but Kamala is moving pretty far left. In order to get to a space where you can't compromise the conservative, you need to be a little bit further left for the for the conservative not to for, to, uh, to be unwilling to compromise. I'd be willing to bet that if you took this chart to 2020, the whole thing will have shifted a little bit to the left. The Republican Party has become way more moderate, way more socially liberal, And the Democrats have become extremely intolerant and much further left and unwilling to compromise with Republicans. But the fact the Republicans would get rid of someone like Steve King, I often reference, shows the Republicans are absolutely willing to compromise. Thus, I tell you this, there, there, there is no left and right, but there is. There are Republicans who say, keep the country, let's fix our problems and keep moving forward. And then you have the Democrats and the far left that are basically saying dramatic overhaul of the entire system. They don't want this country to stay as it is. Revolution, nothing less. They've already The AOC has already apparently drafted a plan to pull Joe Biden further to the left. And I mean that lit, in, in the literal sense. I know I'm saying left and right don't mean anything, but what I mean is economically left. Left and right, as as media terms, relatively meaningless. I think we're going to be looking at Republicans who keep playing the game who keep saying, we'll compromise, we'll compromise, whatever you say, whatever, whatever you say. But eventually it won't be enough. And they'll snap. You have extremists who want to kidnap Governor Whitmer. They re- they've aligned themselves in some circumstances, not all of these people, with Black Lives Matter. What do you think that means if the far right extremists, as the media describes them, have teamed up with the far left extremists? It means the real threat we face is the anti-government extremists, the revolutionaries. It may be that the real left and right is if you're on the right, you like this country and want it to stay. And if you're on the left, you want to tear it down. And that would mean that Boogaloo Boys are actually on the left. Now, let me let me make it very, very clear to all of you. Left and right comes from the French Revolution. You had people sitting on the right, people sitting on the left of like this, this parliament or whatever. I don't know. I, I'm probably fudging the details, but look it up. Basically, the right at the time, people sitting on the right, wanted to maintain the system of government. They wanted to keep things relatively the same, and the left wanted absolute revolution. If left and right in the cultural sense just refers to revolution versus status quo, then Boogaloo boys are on the side of the left in terms of revolution, if that's what it means. Of course, Antifa won't accept this. For the most part, we've seen Antifa, you know, elbow bump Boogaloo Boys and in support of them. And the Boogaloo Boys are showing up to their events in support of Black Lives Matter and Antifa. What the real fight right now is, you have the Democrats pandering to the extremists desperate for power and the Republicans getting rid of extremists trying to maintain some kind of normalcy. If Joe Biden wins, you will get more chaos and revolutionary tactics. And if Trump wins... You'll see, you know, riots and stuff for sure, but it will maintain this country as it is. There will be changes, but Trump is not far right in the cultural sense. Trump is just a regular moderate pro-America. I guess it's the point I'm trying to make with this video. I don't know. Maybe I didn't make it well enough, but there you go. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. It is my main channel, so go and check it out. I will see you then. Thanks for hanging out. Donald Trump has already been censored for comments he's made about mail-in voting. Now, Trump has said there will be a lot of fraud. And the people who don't like Trump, be it media, social media, big tech, whatever, have pounced on this. And they're using a clever manipulation technique. Earlier today, I was greeted on Instagram by this message. Facts about voting. Both voting in person and voting by mail have a long history of trustworthiness in the U.S., and the same is expected this year. Voter fraud is extremely rare across voting methods. You see, this is a manipulative statement that uses a kind of assumptive logic. They want you to make an assumption, and so they're using a a clever word trick. Let me explain. They say voting in person and by mail have a history of trustworthiness. They then say fraud is rare. The first sentence has nothing to do with the second Whether or not I trust the election system or the election system to handle my vote has nothing to do with whether or not someone would defraud me or commit election fraud. Do I trust that my ballot will get to the post office on time? No. Do I trust that my ballot is safe with no chain of custody? No. Does that mean I'm worried about voter fraud? I'm not particularly worried about voter fraud for my vote, though I do think there is a concern of greater increase of fraud. You see how they do this? The reality is that there are very serious reasons to be worried. From Fox 5, San Diego, thief grabs mail ballots from North County neighborhood. A mail thief moving through the North uh, North County neighborhood snatched up ballots, along with other contents of mailboxes lining the street, leaving residents concerned ahead of Election Day. Well, their ballots are gone. Congratulations. No vote for you. Because by the time you get your your ballot now, it may be too late. Okay, okay, hold on. Maybe they have a, they have a little bit less than a month. Maybe they can finally get through to one of these automated systems or whoever and get a new ballot, a replacement. Okay, well then what about the risk of someone requesting extra ballots and then voting more than once? What about the risk of a week before election day, a thief steals your mail? I do not trust that, and it's not even fraud. This thief apparently just dumped the mail down the street, probably looking for cash. But now you lose your vote because of it? Talk about no election security. Here's a good one. U.S. postal worker in New Jersey arrested, accused of dumping mail and election ballots. (laughs) Do I trust that the postal workers have my best intentions? No, it's just a broken chain of custody. How about this one? About 50,000 Ohio voters receive wrong absentee ballots. Oopsie. You know what? It's all on the Democrats, man. I'm sorry. I got to say it. It's all on the Democrats. You know why? They're the ones more likely to vote by mail, not Republicans. So when mail thieves steal their ballots, when their ballots get rejected or when their ballots come in wrong, it's going to negatively impact Democrats. This is going to give Trump the popular vote. Seriously, so many people are gonna be disqualified. Now, they'll probably claim like, look at all the people who were disqualified. Oh, it's a huge percentage. And they'll all cry and complain. Take a look at this, though. I posted on Instagram a screenshot of what Instagram told me. I accompanied it with a screenshot of the Hill story. About 50,000 Ohio voters receive wrong absentee ballots. And I said, Instagram is so full of S. They actually attached a link to my photo saying, for official resources and updates about the 2020 US election, visit the Voting Information Center. Imagine, if you will, a world in which you trying to make a phone call to your friend To tell them about voting, your phone doesn't work. And you're like, that's weird. I can't call my friend. Well, you get a notification from the phone company saying, we're very concerned about you calling people and sharing misinformation. So we've disconnected your number. Imagine they say, we're not going to allow you to make any phone calls for this week. You are not allowed to share information because you might get it wrong. It's literally what they're doing. Twitter will add labels to tweets sent by U.S. politicians who try to spread election misinformation and will prevent them from being retweeted. Wow, that is a bold, bold move. These companies are straight up saying that they are not neutral arbiters. They are not carriers. They are not platforms. They're news outlets. They're publishers. Let me me explain to you the the simple difference, because most of you probably know this. But for those that don't, your phone is a carrier. It's essentially a platform, kind of. If I want to call someone, I can say whatever I want. I could call my mom right now and say, did you know that Bigfoot is real? And she'll be like, what? I could say the moon is made of cheese and Hillary Clinton is a lizard. Woo! I can say whatever I want. And uh, nobody's going to shut me down. But if I go on Twitter and say certain things, they'll ban me. They'll shut me down. Case in point, what Instagram is doing I have real stories. I have actual stories from high-profile outlets, from certifiable, uh, uh, trustworthy news outlets telling us straight up there's going to be serious problems with mail-in voting. I've been covering it for quite some time. I'm doing this video to tell you I will likely be banned uh, following November 3rd. So uh, if you would... Please consider subscribing to this channel, liking and sharing this video so people can see what's happening. Uh, I am, I'm about to break a million, uh, subs on this channel. That's crazy. You guys are awesome. But, uh, so yeah, please subscribe. But, uh, and I'll probably get, you know, banned. Also, uh, my podcast available on iTunes and Spotify, uh, the Tim Pool Daily Show. You can check it out, subscribe there in the event I do get banned because I've already been warned that YouTube will not tolerate people challenging election results or point into these stories. Now, I've had a bunch of people, they say this to me all the time. Tim, you're not going to get banned. You're too much of a milk toast fence sitter, blah, blah, blah. Okay, let me show you what's already happening. My posts are getting flagged on Instagram for more information. Go here, go here. That's just kind of, you know, kind of generic, kind of neutral. But they're lying, okay? If I say that YouTube is lying to you, do you think YouTube is going to let me stay on their platform? Well, YouTube hasn't said anything so far. Instagram is lying. There's, well, I'm sorry. You, uh, Instagram is using manipulative language to make you think that the only issue is fraud. I'm really uh, I'm really stoked to see uh, The Barracks, the famous skate channel, saying, I love that the 20-year-olds at Instagram are now the gatekeepers as to what is right and wrong, fact or lie, good or bad. Face palm. Yep, Barracks are cool. Listen, here's a story from Fox 5. A thief has stolen mail-in ballots. Is your universal mail-in ballot safe? It's it's not. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to scare anybody. What am I supposed to say? This guy stole some people's ballots in Brooklyn. About 100,000 people got incorrect information on their ballots, potentially disqualifying them if they tried to use it. They had to to send them back and redo it. 50,000 in Ohio. Ohio is a swing state, man, a very important one. But I tell you what, Republicans are voting in person, dude. So this is going to negatively impact Democrats. This might guarantee that these states swing Republican. I jokingly stated on Twitter. I think they flagged me for this, that Republicans should cheer on the Democrats. Seriously, why? Why not? Tell the Democrats, yes, yes, absolutely. By all means, mail in voting. You guys are awesome. Republicans, however, all, y'all better go vote in person. Why? Well, everybody gets what they want. The Democrats get their mail in voting. Republicans get to vote in person and then Democrats get rejected at the ballot box. Win win for Republicans, Right. A ton of votes are being rejected. A ton of votes are wrong. And we knew this in the primary because the primary was our trial run. The Democratic primary saw, I think, nearly one million ballots questioned and face uh, disqualification. One hundred thousand in California, uh, sixty eight thousand held up in Baltimore. I don't know what else to tell you, Democrats. This is what you wanted. They say uh, the Hill says the Franklin County Board of Elections said in a statement on Friday that 49,669 voters received inaccurate ballots out of the 237,498 that were sent to the U.S. Postal Service. The board said Friday that it has already begun the process of printing replacement ballots, which will be sent to the Postal F- postal Service within 72 hours. How did they know? How did they know they were wrong? Did all these people start sending out notices, like calling them up, complaining? And if that's true, what if there are people who, uh, I don't know, didn't catch it? And they're ballots sitting in their house and they weren't paying attention. They filled it out, sent it in, and now it's not going to be worth anything. I want to show you this tweet here. John Cooper says, Jarrett Stepman tweets that California is going to improperly send him a ballot, even though he doesn't live there. California governor attacks Jarrett on Twitter, says he's wrong. Jarrett receives improper ballot a month later. I love it. Jarrett tweeted, and here's my ballot right on schedule. I haven't lived in CA in a decade and notified the state I no longer live there. I could have voted twice. It would be nice if the governor was a little more concerned with the state's electoral security. But I guess that's too much to ask. Gavin Newsom saying it's false. We didn't send out any ballots to this guy because he claimed he got it early. They said it didn't happen. Look, man, Trump is going to tweet out something November 3rd, and they're going to shut him down and stop the tweet from being shared. People will then screenshot the tweet and start sharing it anyway. They're going to then start flagging those tweets. And they're going to start locking down accounts, and it will be a cascade effect. I'm curious to see if I survive. I'll tell you this. After November 3rd, if the news breaks of impropriety, I am going to cover it. I am going to call out the Democrats. Now, some people think that YouTube won't ban me because I only ever use citations and sources, and that's on purpose for exactly this reason. If I have news outlets like Fox 5 saying a thief is stealing ballots, ban me. Okay? Because I'm only repeating what the news is saying and giving my opinions. You need to vote. You need to vote in person. I don't care who you're voting for. You need to vote in person. You can, you can take the mail-in ballot, but you need to drop it off yourself if you do. The problem with that logic is that even if you plan on using your mail-in ballot, what if it doesn't show up? Or what if someone steals it? Whatever, man. The game's rigged. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes, and I'll see you all shortly. Raise your hand if you've seen this one before because you probably did. What I am displaying on my screen is from predict it. It is a betting platform where you can place bets on a variety of uh, uh, issues I suppose and one of them is the margin by which Democrats or Republicans win. One of them is who you think will win the presidency and there's a bunch of other things you know you can vote for any other politician in any other race and there's other stuff too. The graph on the screen shows Hillary Clinton. In 2016 and Joe Biden in 2020 versus Donald Trump, strangely, it looks like the Donald Trump track and the Joe Biden track are very, very similar to 2016 in that in 2016, they had Donald Trump very low at the average trade price, meaning the way the bet works is you can buy, I guess, kind of shares and then it pays out a dollar or, you know, so if you win, it pays out the total. Donald Trump was fa- was 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 expected to lose. Hillary Clinton was favored to win. Her shares were trading at like 76 cents while Donald Trump was trading at less than 25. But right at the end where the election takes place, Donald Trump flips and skyrockets and Hillary Clinton tanks to nothing because it became obvious that Donald Trump was going to win and predicted is showing that Donald Trump and Joe Biden are on a similar track right now. Does this mean Donald Trump is going to win? I don't know. Nobody does. And there are a lot of arguments to be made about why he will or why he won't. I lean towards Donald Trump will win. And I think the media is fundamentally fractured right now. Now, they say, oh, the polls weren't broken, weren't wrong in 2016. Some say they were wrong in 2016. They were both are right. The polls were a little bit wrong. Trump overperformed. He ended up winning the Electoral College because in key states, he won by razor thin margins. A total of 77,000 votes won Trump the presidency in certain key states. You have to recognize that Democrats are not going to. They're not going to make the same as well. I want to say they're not going to make the same mistake twice, but I don't believe it because we've gone through like Russiagate hoaxes numerous times already, and they're still doing Russia. So maybe they will repeat the same mistakes or maybe regular voters. We'll come out and vote. I mean, look, the election in 2016 was such a sure thing that tons of people did not turn out to vote. It's true. They're like, Hillary's going to win. Who cares? And Trump won. Many of the, uh, many people in these swing states probably didn't vote. That's the biggest factor at play, in my opinion. The fact that in, say, Ohio, you may have had some people being like, what's the point of voting? Hillary won. Many of these people may be Trump supporters, mind you, and that's the important point as well. Ultimately, we just don't know. But I want to show you what's going on over at these predicted election markets and what people are talking about. The first thing I want you to see, Joe Biden is favored to win 66 cents. That means if you want to buy a yes on Joe Biden winning, it'll cost you 66 cents. Donald Trump, 38 cents. I'm going to tell you right now, if you buy a bet on Joe Biden, you are a moron. Knowing what happened in 2016, you've got this gambler's fallacy. Joe Biden's due. He's going to win this time. They should have won. La- you know, Democrats should have won last time. No, 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 no. Let me explain something to you. And it's very uh, simple math. A lot of people will go to a casino, right? And they'll see the roulette table. Do you know roulette? That's where you got the wheel and you got the the red and black uh tiles and numbers. And then you've got zero and maybe double zero people will look at the board and they do this at casinos. They'll show you what were the last numbers to come up. Odds, even black or red. People will see a streak of, say, black numbers and they'll say red must be due. That's just not how math works. Assuming that because black won over and over again, it certainly must be more likely red will occur is mathematically incorrect. In fact, the inverse is true. Why would it be that you're seeing, you know, odds or evens or black or red come up over and over and over again? It's called a bias in the wheel. And it's a very simple mistake people make. I think people are making that same mistake. Surely the Democrats have figured it out this time. The polls are were wrong back then. The prediction models were wrong back then. This is the time we're going to win. Maybe it's only been one election. But well, let me explain. If you go to a casino and you see red straight down on the roulette board. You want to bet red. Now, don't necessarily. take. I, I, I'll tell you what, I'll say this. I would bet red and I'll tell you why I've read about this to better understand probabilities and how it works in casinos. And the simple explanation tends to be there's probably no bias. Sometimes numbers just repeat. It's that it's that simple. However, it's possible there's a defect in the wheel that's resulting in certain numbers coming up more often. Physical imperfections can result in a mathematical bias in favor of one or more numbers or colors, in which case, if it comes up all red, you bet red. If it comes up all evens, you bet all you bet evens. Or I would. That's what I would do. And uh, to be completely honest, I tend to do really well at casinos, typically winning you know, I think out of like 10 times I've gone to the casino, I've won nine out of, you know, because sometimes I go in and I just get just get silly and stuff like that. Anyway, the point is, I, I would not bet on Joe Biden. First of all, 66 cents. What do you win? A dollar per share? That's not worth it. You put in 38 cents for Trump. You put in 50 bucks. You win a lot more money, more than double your money. That's worth it, especially considering what happened last time. But let me show you. I'm not here to give you any advice on what to do with your bets. I'm just saying these people are dumb for betting on Joe Biden. Check this out at five thirty eight. Donald Trump's not got a good chance to win. They're saying Biden is favored win the election in all of these circumstances. And it looks like we've got about twenty two different scenarios. They show a Biden win. Trump wins in these circumstances, but Biden wins in all of these other circumstances, which is creating a very, very strange betting pool. Check this out. First. I want to read a comment from one of the people on the betting, the betting pool website on Predict It. He said, ultimately, the problem with the MAGA apologists is that they stick to the narrative. The polls were wrong. Ha 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 ha. And they were wrong again. Ha, and they are wrong again. Ha ha ha. Here are the five dirty little secrets. The MAGA crowd won't tell you. The polls were correct on HRC. Trump overperformed in key swing states where there was anywhere from 10 to 13 percent of those polled who were not committed to either Trump or HRC in the polling. And when the final votes were tallied, 55 percent of them broke for Trump. Well, about zero for Hillary Clinton. Example in Wisconsin in 2016, Hillary Clinton plus Trump had a combined RCP average that left 12.9 outstanding. This year, it uh, uh, this year, the number is 6.5 and Trump overperformed in his polling in Wisconsin by 6.9 percent. The polls were slightly off slightly. They missed non-college educated whites. Plus, there's the margin of error. So when you add it together, Trump did a little bit better. But also, you got to recognize the Hillary email scandal that came out right before. I mean, there was some October surprises that hurt Hillary Clinton. And Trump, look, he barely he, he lost the popular vote. He won the electoral votes in a large margin, but he won those states by razor thin margins. If you think Trump is going to win, you better crawl over broken glass figuratively to get out and vote. These are really good points as a counterpoint, mind you. He says Trump is not more popular than he was in 2016. That's an opinion that I would say is incorrect. Trump's uh, aggregate favorability is a lot higher right now. It's like 10 points higher than when he got elected. And his approval rating is higher now than the it's well above average for his first term. The New York Times posted a story on on the upshot from an upshot from Nate Kong saying that Donald Trump's base is bigger. Now, this was before COVID, mind you, but it was bigger last year. That may mean Trump wins this time because he only needs the Electoral College. I think you'd be foolish to ignore all of these polls just because Trump won in one of the scenarios they predicted. Nate Silver didn't do a really bad job last time. He just gave Trump like a a 24% chance of winning. That means Trump could win. He says Trump's show uh, Trump's show uh, is at a disadvantage as an incumbent because he has lost the benefit of the doubt by governing the way he claimed Cruz and Rubio would. It's a good point. Donald Trump was an outsider saying, get rid of the cronies. Now he's in government. Has he done a good enough job? There is a counterpoint here. Let me read on. The key number in polling is 49 as an almost universal rule, 3% of a vote for president uh, is thrown away for a third party. So for any given state, blah, blah, blah. He basically says there's a margin of error. And thus Biden has to hit 49 percent, which he has in battleground polls. That is why Trump was always in trouble and going to lose in 2020. When the revisionism kicks in and people pretend like Trump gave it away by getting COVID-19 and blowing up stimulus. Remember that the seeds of his loss were laid when he failed to govern as he campaigned in 2016. Trump supporters have pointed this out. Trump is not the bull he was in 2016, threatening to lock up Hillary Clinton. That debate performance was bad. We'll see. But there's a counterpoint, and it's this. Someone responded saying, right, just think about what this poll means, though. The only one to lose on this poll was George Bush, the lowest figure, 38%. Trump has 56% saying they're better off than four years ago. Right wing populist Tucker Carlson has the highest rated cable TV show in history. Few trust the media like in the past years, especially not with poll data. I've gotten several calls and hang up. They're being disintermediated by the knowledge acquisition process. We just had major riots and protests shutting down normalcy by groups pushing an entirely counterfactual premise. People actually want law and order. And it's not only blue city mayors and leaders who are preventing it. The poll he shows is that right now, Donald uh, under Trump, people feel they are better off than they were four years ago. I think people are going to vote their wallets. I do. I don't think they're going to vote their conscience. They're going to vote their wallets. Young people are going to get lazy. They're not going to come out to vote. He says George W. Bush, who only served one term. I'm sorry, George H.W. Bush got 38 percent. Trump's at 56. People are better off. But take a look at these margin votes. And I will tell you, man, I I am okay. Okay. Look at this. What will the electoral college margin in the 2020 presidential election be? Most votes. 22 cents for Democrats winning by 150 to 209. They're actually suggesting a Democrat landslide. Now, that to me is bold. I mean, come on. Trump might lose. I don't think Trump's going to win in a landslide. I think it's possible because there could be weird, you know, things that happen. But as the people I've talked to say, it's going to be, you know, Trump's going to win by razor thin margins, maybe Democrats might narrowly win. But to think that the Democrats are going to win by 150 to 209 electoral votes, meaning they're going to have 400. That would be huge. That would be huge. And that would fly in the face of a lot of what we see from independent media, from polls, from how people feel. That would be shocking. But that's the biggest bet. That's the expensive bet. That's the bet that people want to make. All right. Well, hey, assuming that's true, 22 cents gets you a decent return, I suppose. So I would be surprised if that was the case. Now, for the GOP winning by even thin margins, it's only a few cents to buy. People are really betting the Democrats are going to take it in a landslide. I'll leave it there. We'll see how it plays out. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. Packing the courts. What does it mean? What will it do? Well, I've got an article from the Heritage Foundation. We'll we'll go through and I'll explain it. But it's very simple. I mean, we have nine Supreme Court justices. Democrats are angry that Trump is now appointing three of them, giving a serious conservative majority uh, to the court. Packing the court would mean that they would pass a resolution, a bill to increase the number of justices on the court so they can just start adding justices to flip the court liberal. This would be devastating for the republic, our country. Why? Imagine it this way. Democrats win the Senate and the presidency, granting them the power to pack the courts. They then decide to add four justices, pushing the court to a what would that put it at? That would put it at 13 justices. And if they added four, it would be a seven to six liberal majority. That's what they'd like to see. They want control back. OK, in response to this outrage, a couple of years go by and then Republicans win the Senate and the presidency. And so they decide to pack the courts even more. And then the court ends up with 500 judges and it's just a back and forth or theoretically, you know, the, the Republicans vote to remove seats. I guess they could. That would, that would involve impeaching a justice, I suppose. So it's more likely they're just going to keep adding seats back and forth until there is no Supreme Court. What a dumb idea. Well, Joe Biden is uh, probably going to pack the courts if he wins, which will devastate this country. And the Democrats already did in 2013 when Harry Reid used the nuclear option, making it so that a simple majority was required to get a Supreme Court member on the court. Now Trump has been able to appoint three. That's the Democrats fault. Do not let them do this. When asked, Joe Biden said, I'm, I'm not going to answer that question. You know, because because then it'll be the only thing you see on TV, that question. okay? I mean, he's right. If he says he's going to pack the courts, people are going to revolt and it will hurt him a lot. So he won't answer it because he'd be lying if he said he wouldn't do it. And if he said he wasn't going to pack the the court, then all of these progressive left uh, would revolt in outrage. Thus, Joe Biden's best bet is to not answer. But Joe Biden said possibly the most psychotic thing a presidential candidate could ever say in that the voters don't deserve to know what I'm going to do once I'm elected. Give me the power and I'll do whatever I want. And I won't tell you now. That's insane. If you're going to run for office, and you want my vote. You better tell me what your plan is. Now, I'm going to assume you're all lying. Trump included. But I want to know what you're talking about. At least the, at the very least, I can say Trump really does mean what he wants to do. He's, he's trying really hard to uphold his promises, whether you like them or not. He wears his mind on his sleeve and he blurts out things like, we're in Syria guarding the oil. And I'm like, oh, jeez, dude, this guy. Hey, but I'll take it. I'll take the honesty, huh? And, and look, Trump's not the most honest guy in the world. I'm not going to play games. Trump lies. Um, the media lies a lot too. And so does Joe Biden. So it's not surprising to me. John Cooper tweeted, uh, tweeted this. There was a journalist who asked Joe Biden, he said, I have to ask you this because it is the mo. it is a question that m- um, my viewers want to know. Will you pack the courts? And, you know, Joe Biden's response was, well, they're probably Republican viewers. Excuse me. How dare you? Liberals might want to know because they support it. Well, he, he said the journalist said, don't the viewers deserve to know? I'm sorry. Don't the voters deserve to know? And Joe Biden said, no, they don't deserve. Look, listen, whoa, they don't deserve to know Donald Trump's a lot of things. He's a bombastic and uh, arrogant individual, and I've called him a lot of names. I'm not going to pretend like I'm voting for the guy because, you know, if I had my choice of like the best president ever, it probably wouldn't be anybody. I couldn't even think of a person. But I really like these peace deals. I really like this, uh, uh the withdrawing troops. You know this. You've heard, you've heard me say it over, say it over and over and over again. But I, I, I don't think Trump is a lesser of two evils. I think he's just kind of a nasty guy. And, you know, I'll take what I can get in the foreign policy that he's doing because it's a good thing. Wasn't always perfect. He's improved a lot. He fired John Bolton. Hey, I like that. Joe Biden, warmonger president, doesn't think you have a right to know? That to me is scary. Would you really vote for somebody who would say that? Let me tell you something. RNC Research. The New York Times is Alexa Burns. Senator Harris told me in an interview, actually, that she has abs that she was absolutely open to packing the Supreme Court. What does that mean? The Heritage Foundation says why court packing would be devastating to our our republic. Key takeaways. Well, America's founders sought to separate the, the judiciary from politics. Court packing deliberately brings them together Two, failure to end debate is a filibuster. The filibuster has been part of the Senate's legislative process since the turn of the 19th century. Packing the court will only ever yield short term political victories at the cost of long term health of our republic. My friends, I think our country is breaking down. I know maybe it's a little bombastic. Maybe it's uh, uh, a bit aggressive to say, but think about it. There was a reason why you needed a two thirds majority to get things done in the Senate. It required negotiation between Democrats and Republicans, and it required people to vote for somebody who could get the job done. If you've got a far left or progressive, someone like Kamala Harris, she is they call her the most liberal in, in Congress, not because she's far left. She kind of is, but because she won't negotiate with Republicans. So Bernie Sanders, he will. And we want that. Imagine if the Senate came, you know, came in and they said, we want to pass this bill. Well, you need 60 votes. Then you're going to have to start negotiating with some of these Democrats to figure out who can, you know, uh, who, who, who will agree with you. So you'll find some moderate Democrat who will say, "Okay, I'll vote yes on your bill. If you make these changes, that's good for the country. The debate. Well, they got rid of that. And the Democrats got rid of that with the with the getting, uh, you know, with the 50. Now it's a simple majority, 51 uh, votes to get get through Supreme Court uh, nominees. Thus, Trump has gained three conservative judges, causing the left to lose their minds. I actually think Donald Trump has chosen some fairly. mod. Look, Gorsuch is a kind of a moderate guy. Kavanaugh and Gorsuch have ruled against Trump, I believe, more than once. And Amy Coney Barrett is not considered to be the staunchest of staunch conservatives in terms of how she's ruled in the past. In fact, they say that she would be kind of close to the middle of the conservative justices being to the left of two of them. Not extremely conservative. She is religious, however. I believe she's a textualist and uh, uh, her stance is I'm not sure how uh, uh, she she wants. It's called stare decisis. Basically, my understanding is that she feels if it's been ruled upon, you leave it the way it is. But she does believe we should interpret the Constitution as it was intended. So what, we, what, what, what I see happening if we move forward with packing the courts is further erosion of our government, of our country. The Senate and Congress are already broken. Gerrymandering is already a problem. I don't know how you get around gerrymandering, to be completely honest. And, I, and I'll tell you this. Did you know that non-citizens have voting power in U.S. presidential elections? Now, already I can hear the left saying Tim's pushing a conspiracy theory. No, 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 no. If you are not a citizen and you live in California, they count you on the census as a resident, even if you're an illegal immigrant, because they wouldn't let Trump put the citizenship question on the, on the form. That means non-citizens, illegal immigrants, will be added to the number. That means we will apportion funding and congressional seats and electoral votes, which include non-citizens. California, I believe I read, gets like one or two extra seats and votes based on their non-citizen population. If we got rid of that, it would shift a lot to to others to uh, it would shift a few of the votes around. I don't think we have the biggest of impacts, but it is important to note that's the case, in which case we have we have a serious problem. Being a citizen means something. You know, you pay taxes, you have a Social Security card, you get an ID and you're held accountable to this country. If you're not a citizen of this country, you get deported to your country to be held, held to account in that country. But there are actual congressional votes based upon people who are not even citizens. I guess it makes sense to to varying degrees based on permanent residents, but not illegal immigrants, people who, aren't, who, who came here in violation of the law. I think non, you know, permanent residents, some with a green card, it might make sense, you know, because you're you're not a citizen, but you do live here as a permanent resident. You're working here. You do have some, you you do have rights, in my opinion. Now you can't vote, but that person still has to look out for you. I mean, you live here. That's fair. That's human rights. And it is true that anybody who comes here is protected by the Constitution, even if you're illegal. It's something that a lot of people on the right might not be familiar with. The Constitution protects everybody, so uh, and and tourists especially. I see us walking towards it's I'll put it this way. The Constitution is Swiss cheese. The First Amendment is Swiss cheese. Second Amendment, Swiss cheese. The Fifth, the Fourth, they're being torn apart and crapped all over. The courts are now being crapped all over. The Senate's been crapped all over. These institutions, I suppose, could only last so long unless they are strengthened and bolstered somehow. I don't exactly know how we do it, but I do know one of the fastest ways to dissolve our country would be to elect Joe Biden. I know that the Democrats are probably going to say no to that. But if they pack the courts, it will just delegitimize the courts because then Republicans will do the same. It'll be a tit for tat every few years, more and more judges being added until the Supreme Court just doesn't matter anymore. And we're already heading that direction. The left wants that. The far left, I should say, the revolutionary types. And there's a lot of them. They're growing. And that, to me, spells, I guess, trouble for the rest of us. So I'm not going to tell you to go prep or anything like that. I'm just going to tell you to pay attention, stay vigilant and be prepared that Things may start to break down. It's possible Trump wins, and if he does, then depending on the scale of the election, if Joe Biden wins in a landslide, that will be a hard course correct for many Americans. Because all of a sudden you're gonna see brands, major corporations doubling down in anything a Democrat says. If Donald Trump wins in a landslide, like a Reagan landslide, that will end this woke cult nonsense, hands down. The companies will start to realize it was a bad idea, it didn't work. And they're on the wrong side of history. I don't know who's on the wrong side of history. Eh? Whatever. If you voted for Jimmy Carter, you're on the wrong side of history, right? If you voted for H- for H.W. Bush, you're on the wrong side of history. But you know, so be it. I guess we'll just, uh, as I always say, see how it plays out. I-, I, don't- I think Biden's dangerous, though. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out. And I will see you all next time.